Welcome back to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on this episode, we'll be discussing sustainability with Honeywell Aerospace Vice President and GM of Power Systems, David Shilliday. This episode is sponsored by Honeywell Aerospace. So this episode focuses on a discussion with Honeywell, focusing on some of their latest developments, advancements, and expert perspective on an issue that has gotten a lot of attention in the aviation industry over the last year, and that's how to reduce the industry's impact on the environment with several sustainability-focused initiatives, programs, and government industry research occurring all over the globe. Among the topics discussed with Shilliday in this episode include reducing aircraft emissions without an all-new clean sheet design aircraft, preparing aircraft to operate on enduring supplies of sustainable aviation fuel, and avoiding a long wait for new aviation technology and business elements that can meet some of the sustainability goals that the aviation industry has already outlined. So let's get into our discussion with David Shilliday, Vice President and General Manager of Power Systems for Honeywell Aerospace. So David, for those in our audience who are unaware, can you just start with an introduction, including your name, job title, and some of the primary activities your division of Honeywell Aerospace is involved in? Thanks, Woodrow. Yes, so my name is Dave Shilliday. I lead the power systems business for Honeywell Aerospace which includes all of the development and investment in new products, as well as the execution on existing products across um, legacy auxiliary power units. So think of our long history in APUs, uh, ram air turbines, backup power sources, um, generators and starter generators. And and that's really our, our legacy franchise in terms of future development we're we're heavily focused on electric propulsion um, particularly in the uas space as well as development of fuel cells and future backup power solutions well that makes you the perfect person to talk about the topic we want to focus on for this episode then Uh, sustainability Yes, which is, uh, you know, been a really big topic for the aviation industry, especially within the last year, um, you know, especially since COVID, a lot of different global initiatives have been rolled out to sort of improve the overall aviation industry's impact on the environment with a focus, of course, on aircraft emissions. Um, And, you know, one thing that we do know, David, is that the industry can't necessarily rely on a future clean sheet aircraft to provide all of the answers, uh, you know, that everyone is seeking on this topic. Uh, But knowing that this is the reality, when it comes to sustainability, how do we get the most out of the existing in-service fleet? Yeah, I, the, the two work streams that jump out are um, efficiency. How do you squeeze more out of the fleet that is with, with zero changes to, to the logistics? And then alternative fuels. And, and we're going to heavily rely on SAF in that discussion. But even under efficiency, you have two broad work streams. One, which is flight efficiency. Are we operating in the most efficient way to get from point A to point B? And then operational efficiency, which is think of everything else from from improving reliability, 
improving fuel burn on the engine systems you have, um, improving gate turns, improving crew planning, right? Everything that you can do to improve your carbon footprint um, with the fleet that is. And, and then under alternative fuels, as we know, um, the timeline for SAF to ramp up to everything aviation is asking uh, from SAF is going to take time. And so those efficiency improvements can start today or even yesterday, and they have the added benefit of reducing demand on a very strange supply chain at a time when the industry needs that. So, so I think it's important that we not say industry is going to sit on their hands and wait for a future clean sheet aircraft or industry is going to sit on their hands and say we're waiting for enough SAF to be delivered to achieve our targets. Right. That's an interesting way of putting it. And, you know, it's kind of a follow-up question to that with a focus on the current fleet. How do we adapt the current fleet to improve airline profitability and reduce emissions? Yeah. So, so every place that, you know, the current supply chain challenges are, are hitting – airlines and airports ability to to meet the robust demand for travel um, also typically is going to have the net effect of improving emissions as well and so whether that's things we discussed about being more efficient in flight planning or more uh, driving more reliability out of the systems on the aircraft um, you also have the um, the perhaps binary impact of there is an inability to meet all of the demand to travel that exists today. We've already seen airlines and airports have to back away from um, some of, of the uh, demand because they can't staff and because the supply base is not able to do everything that they need. And so every inch that you squeeze out of your processes, you can not only take that as savings, but you can potentially unlock growth that you can't realize without such improvement. And so if you use, you know, Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam as an example, we've seen them have to really reduce the amount of traffic through that airport because they can't staff adequately. And, and if you're able to go through that long list of efficiency improvements at an airport level and at an airline level, how much of that growth that uh, Schiphol wish, wishes they could meet, um, could you potentially fulfill? Yeah, that's an interesting point about Schiphol there, um, you know, and how many different factors have to come together to, uh, you know, improve efficiency. Um, looking again at the current fleet, how do you kind of update it to operate more efficiently in terms of flight planning, air traffic management, and overall fuel efficiency? Yeah. And, you know, there already exists a long list of tools that airframers have built, that the system OEMs have built, that airlines have built, that are constantly, you know, looking at ways to squeeze more out of that fleet. And perhaps given all the priorities, all of the turmoil that, that uh, operators have experienced over the last, you know, three to five years, um, some of these haven't been a high priority. In the current environment, you can imagine that a tool that simultaneously addresses emissions, it reduces your supply chain requirements and reduces cost is going to be very popular. So 
there's a long list of flight efficiency tools that really look at things like weather, that look at things like um, route planning to ensure that you're maximizing fuel efficiency. There are uh, maintenance planning tools that ensure that you're getting the maximum time on wing for all of your systems and components, but most heavily focused on the engine. And so that has, again, the double benefit of reducing the supply base requirements associated with repairing your engine or finding spare parts for your engine also, um, also has the benefit of reducing emissions that are all associated with those various activities. So um, all of them, these, these tools exist. All of them, there's a long list of projects that have not risen to the top because there were so many other challenges facing the airline operators. And I think now's the time to dust off that list and what may have seemed like a luxury in 2019 is gonna be a necessity in 2022. And you know, as a, as a follow-up to that, where can we advance the industry on emissions without necessarily a new aircraft? Yeah, I, I think of this as eating the elephant one bite at a time. It's gonna require some SAF, but as, as we've talked about, right, SAF's not all gonna show up one day um, to meet all of the industry requirements. So it's gonna be some SAF, it's gonna be some improvements in flight efficiency, it's gonna be a long list of improvements in system reliability, a long list of improvements in operational efficiency. And so it's not as sexy as waiting for that next clean sheet aircraft, right? It's, it's a lot of singles and doubles required to get you a percent or two of efficiency here, a percent or two of efficiency there. Um, the good news is the majority of these benefits are going to translate to your operations even when that future aircraft comes. So they're incremental to the benefits that that future aircraft will provide. And, you know, SAF, sustainable aviation fuel has been a major topic, um, you know, making a lot of headlines, a lot of testing over the last year. Um, when you look at that, you know, how do we prepare aircraft to operate on enduring supplies of sustainable aviation fuel while providing enough flexibility to adjust as technology advances? Yeah, and the preparation for SAF, um, you know, we, through another division of our, of our uh, Honeywell Corporation, PMT, we have insight into the, the processing and the supply of SAF. So we have some unique insight into how we think that the, the supply side of that equation is going to evolve. On the demand side, ensuring that our engines and APUs are ready to operate on all of the potential SAF formulations being developed um, is, is fairly straightforward. Um, the, the ASTM guidance on SAF is really focused on drop-in solutions that have zero impact for either you know, the gas turbine or the associated fuel systems. So while we're, we're ready and waiting for any changes that might be required, the current guidance leads us to believe they will truly be drop-in and require almost no changes to the aircraft, which is, which is great news. The, the bigger um, work would be if SAF can't get to our, the, the aviation targets and you do need to do something more dramatic in terms of alternative fuels and just 
because there's so much discussion of it, we could use hydrogen as an example. And so the requirements to certify and change an aircraft to operate even some of its systems with hydrogen as a fuel is much more complicated. Um, so we're preparing for both an outcome where SAP is able to fulfill perhaps more of the demand than, than industry thinks that it will be able to meet, as well as a scenario where SAP isn't able to fulfill as much of the demand that, that industry has forecasted. And, and the reason for that is, one, we've noted how fragile the supply chain um, can be. And so if SAP isn't able to meet all of those requirements, what are those solutions that, that are going to need to be shovel ready in order to pick up the slack? Yeah, you know, you mentioned a few different uh, technologies there. And, you know, it's a really interesting point about hydrogen. Uh, but without necessarily having a brand new aircraft, uh, how do we learn about the applicability of dual fuel or hydrogen-based systems uh, for the existing fleet of aircraft? Yeah, it, that's, that's really challenging. You know, some of the foundational questions about these much more disruptive alternative fuels you can work through some of the math and physics with ground testing. You can do some of it via flight testing on a legacy fleet. There's some very good work being done by Airbus on their A380 hydrogen test platform, um, which won't answer all of the questions about how a future clean sheet aircraft would operate with, with this disrupted fuel, but it does move the, the ball forward. And one of the ways we talk about it is if you don't solve the million dollar problem Think of, you know, how you store hydrogen, how the fuel systems operate with hydrogen. You're never going to reveal perhaps the billion dollar problem. You know, how do you ensure safety of, of hydrogen on an aircraft where the fuel tanks are in a blended wing? And then do you need to solve that before you can identify the trillion dollar problem of uh, infrastructure associated with replacing all the legacy Jet A fuel delivery systems with with something like hydrogen. Um, so it's it's absolutely in a step approach and it's going to require agility because I think some of the questions we don't even know how to ask just yet. And, you know, speaking of safety and, you know, considering how uh, risk averse a, a industry aviation is, um, how do we determine when the maturity of the technology and infrastructure you know, for some of those alternative sources of power have matured, advanced uh, sufficiently enough to shift to a new model? Yeah, safety is always going to be foundational. And, and I think the airframers and the OEMs and the regulators will all ensure that that, that, that stays foundational. Um, so, so I think that that will offer some, our natural inclination will be very conservative. I do think the third leg of maturity of the technology, infrastructure to support the technology, and then the third leg is, is there a return on the investment? And so if there are a number of ways to achieve um, the sustainability targets that either airlines have, have rolled out for themselves or that industry has rolled out, um, what's the most cost-effective way for them to achieve that? If there's enough SAF, perhaps um, that that will get them the majority of the way there. 
if it requires a more disruptive solution, you're going to get into how long will these platforms fly? What are the savings associated with the changes? What incentives exist? And, and how do they endure or adapt in the future? Um, and, and so I think not only will there be deep discussions about when the technology is ready and when the airport systems are ready, but there's going to be a necessary discussion about is there a return on investment for this solution, you know, a solution that helps you achieve your sustainability target versus another solution and, and which of them provides the best return for an airline. And, you know, as a follow-up question, here's an interesting follow-up to that. Um, when we look to advance sustainability within aviation, how do we avoid waiting for the technology and business elements to be ready? Yeah, you know, the, one of the ways I, I think about it is if you work backwards, um, whether it's commitments that the industry has made in 2030 or 2035 or 2050, and you say, how are we going to move the ball forward between now and then? Um, you know, as we discussed, you can't sit and wait and say, well, once the SAF shows up, we'll show some improvements, or um, once the new aircraft shows up, we'll, we'll show some improvements. Um, so it's going to require iteration and iteration, and some of it's not going to pan out, which which nobody likes to hear, but it's going to require casting a wide net on all those things that we've talked about, right? About um, improving flight efficiency, about improving operational efficiency, and much more disruptive solutions that even can be adopted as an RMU um, to the existing fleet um, until that future fleet comes online. And there needs to be a recognition that those learnings will all apply. It's not wasted. Um, even if it doesn't materialize in the way we originally envisioned, it helps inform us about those solutions that are going to be needed in the out years. Well, David, I think you gave our audience a lot to think about on this topic. It's certainly an exciting one that we'll continue to cover on the podcast. Thanks for coming on and you know, educating our audience today. Hey, thank you. I appreciate the discussion. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iOS podcast app or any smartphone or tablet podcasting application. Feel free to rank and comment on our podcast as well to let us know how we can improve. It also helps others find the podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. <laughs>